Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a sports nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach at Strength Guild. I'm a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and all-around amazing fella. This is Dr. Mike Nelson. I'm the owner of Extreme Human Performance. I teach for Rocky Mountain University and creator of the Flex Diet Certification. My name is Ben Clark. I am the inventor and owner of BC Products, which is the automatic wrap roller. Okay. Um, everyone, we're going to do a little bit of mail and news, as we are wont to do. And then we're going to talk with Ben about launching um, fitness-related products, uh, commercializing things, that sort of thing. If you ever wondered, you know, you had an idea about something in the gym, maybe, or, oh, a nutritional product that's sort of a different ball of wax. But uh, we'll talk about some of, you know, the pathways and, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit, I guess. Uh, okay, but let's start with some news. Strength and muscle sport news. Um, okay, this, this is from listener Nicholas, and he has a, a, a little bit of confusion, and I don't blame him about something in the literature. So he says, hi, Dr. Lowry Phil, Dr. Nelson, and Iron Brethren. Uh, I'm a grad student in physiology that runs an educational YouTube channel. Uh, he says, I've run across a paper I was hoping you guys could help me understand because it has baffled me and I've exhausted my professors with incessant questions. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, the paper is on metabolic acidosis and redefines the understanding of lactic acid being a driving force uh, in hydrogen accumulation. And listeners, if you're not familiar, hydrogen uh, ions or, or protons think acid. When you hear, hear that in muscle physiology, just think acid. Um, and he says, accumulation of such when completing multiple repetitions. So he's saying the textbooks and many papers, etc., cetera, uh, talk about essentially lactate being the bad guy. And if you notice, I'm trying to say lactate, not lactic acid. We try not to say lactic acid anymore because it makes it sound like a bad guy. But in any case, and he talks about lactic acid being sort of a driving molecule behind the pain that we feel during high rep exercise. And he says, I'm not talking about delayed onset muscle soreness. So, I mean, he understands that, right? And some coaches still think lactate is the reason for next day or delayed muscle soreness. And of course, that's just preposterous. But in any case, he says um, he came across a paper by Rob Robergs, and I know Rob not well, but uh, I'm acquainted with him uh, when he was at the University of New Mexico. Now he's in Australia, and I know Mike has spoken with him. Um, and Dr. Robergs argues that the accumulation of hydrogen ions, in other words, muscle acidity, is from the hydrolysis of ATP during muscle contraction, and that lactate actually helps take up hydrogens and help buffer this increased acidosis, this is completely contradictory to my previous understanding. I'd love to hear your thoughts on whether this is the case or not. Uh, and then he wraps up, as with all your listeners, I find your podcast to be just stellar with a beautiful mix of applied 
coaching, physiology, mechanistic understandings. I wish you all continued success. I thank you for your time and hope to contribute to your podcast when I'm able uh, because I believe in the consistent great work that you guys do. Happy lifting. So thanks, Nicholas. This is, that's cool. Uh, I'll start off with this. Uh, Rob Robergs is right. And a little behind the scenes, he actually had some difficulty, despite being brilliant and frankly correct, uh, in getting some of his early work published. Uh, the way I teach it in the classroom, the best analogy I can think of is that lactate is an innocent bystander at the scene of the crime, right? So lactate, if you look at the molecule, uh, Nicholas, it's just pyruvate. So you run glycolysis hard and fast, right? You break a six carbon glucose into two, three carbon pyruvates. And if you acidify those pyruvates, that's lactate. If you look closely, there's just little H's stuck to it. It's, it's acidified pyruvate. And they call pyruvate the crossroads of metabolism for lots of reasons. And this is one of them because it can actually carry those H's, those little hydrogen ions out of the intensely working muscle so you could do things like recycle it back to your liver for gluconeogenesis, make some blood sugar out of it. So I, I know some l listeners are already bored to tears, but, <laughs> but <laughs> that's the best way that I can say that. Lactate is an innocent bystander at the scene of the crime, so much so, and I know, uh, Mike Nelson, you talk about this, that even George Brooks, sort of a founding father of our field, he talks about actually supplementing with lactate. It could be a, a benefit, right? So what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so very similar how I explain it in, in the uber-simplified version is basically the same, right? So if you run anaerobic uh, metabolism super hard, you're going to spin off lactate plus hydrogen ions, right? Which is, quote, lactic acid. It's exactly what you said. The hydrogen ions are the acid. They bugger up possibly muscle contraction, all sorts of other stuff. The lactate by itself is actually a really good fuel. Like pretty much all the muscle can pull it up. Cardiac tissue prefers it. Uh, there's some evidence the brain may even actually prefer it, that maybe we're making lactate to spin it off and send it to the brain possibly. But yeah, lactate's actually a really good fuel. It just so happens that they both in general get produced at the same time. So they both get kind of branded as, ooh, these are, are negative things. Right. And it is logical, right? You can do a simple finger yeah. prick for, with a lactate meter and be like, oh, at the very moment or maybe a minute or two lag, after I do this 30-rep set of leg extensions or, or a Wingate test on a bike sprint, you know, oh, God, look, my lactate is sky high at the same time that I've got this horrible burning sensation. But, yeah. again, yeah, not it, it's not causal. It's just... It's actually carrying away some of that acid. And you know what? You make a good point, Mike. Uh, you might think, well, why do we care about muscle acidity? Well, aside for some possible effects on muscle catabolism, like in a chronic way, this is more of an acute thing. It shuts you right down, right? So some of the controlling yep. enzymes and glycolysis that allows you to do that high repetition set kind of thing, you can have the discipline of a green beret, and you will still... Sh chemically shut down because of the allosteric modification of PFK. There's a lot of things that go on here, but yeah, that acid, like you said, really buggers up the system and it will slow you right down. And, and that's a protective mechanism in a sense, right? Because you can't have a muscle become so acidic that it starts to denature itself. So, yeah. yeah. I remember Stu Phillips saying that once when he was doing the, some of the leg extension studies for high reps. He would have guys that would come in the lab and be like, 
oh, 20 or 30 leg extensions. That's so easy. And he's like, they get to about like rep 20 and they're turning all sorts of different shades and colors. And he's like, yep, at some point, it muscle just shuts down. <laughs> right, right on. So there you go. And I will say this, uh, Nicholas, you will see in some newer textbooks and uh, hopefully the more progressive professors are in fact rephrasing how they're describing lactate. They really should be. So it's hard to go to conferences and whatnot or look at some of the newer, better textbooks and not, not know that. But now let me relate this to something that our listeners might like a little bit better. Not that that's bad. Um, I mean, let's face it. It's a fundamental question. Why can't I lift continuously forever, right? And so the acidity thing is one of the reasons that you fatigue. Uh, okay. So that brings me to a couple of papers that I have about buffering muscle acid. So let's say you like those high repetition sets that guys like, you know, Stu Phillips is, are pointing out. They can actually actually be quite protein synthetic, quite anabolic. You do these high rep sets. But um, here's one. We often talk about things that work. I feel like we have to have some balance. Here's a paper that beta alanine, which is a precursor to carnosine, which is a muscle acidity buffer, uh, does not actually quote unquote work. This is from med size sports exercise, October of this year. I mean, it, it just happened from Beck, B-E-C-H and colleagues, uh, European paper. It says, no effect of beta alanine on muscle function and kayak performance. They took, uh, elite kayak rowers, 10 males and seven females, supplemented them with 80 milligrams per kg of their body weight of beta alanine for eight weeks. And then they looked at muscular fatigue uh, and EMG, so muscle activation, if you will. Um, additionally, performance was evaluated as a 1,000 meter and a five by 250 meter kayak ergometer rowing test. So it says there was no detectable difference of beta alanine on the 1,000-meter kayak ergometer performance. Mean power output was reduced to a similar extent in the 5x5 five five test. In other words, they, everybody fatigued from their first bout right to their last, their fifth. There was a 23 down to 22% fatigue if you look across these bouts in the beta alanine, and there was a 26 down to 20% fatigue in the placebo. Uh, in other words, fatigue just really wasn't affected differently, right? There wasn't a sort of a divergence between the way they fatigued. Conclusion, two minute maximal voluntary contraction characteristics are unaffected by beta alanine supplement, supplementation in elite kayakers. And likewise, both a 1000 meter kayak ergometer time trial uh, lasting 45 minutes, as well as 5 by 250 meter repeated sprints was unaltered by supplementation. So doesn't always pan out. Uh, there could be body part issues. Uh, who knows? Um, maybe the, the fact that they're very elite and they can already buffer acid reasonably well, or maybe, I don't know. So beta alanine did not work in that particular paper. Um, and then one more, just briefly. This is a Fall 2017, so also recent paper from Journal of International Society of Sports Nutrition, and Mike and I have both published in that, uh, from Rogerson, Vegan Diets, Practical Advice for Athletes and Exercisers. Now, bear with me. I'm going somewhere with this, with the muscle acidity. It says, with the growth of social media as a platform to share info, ve veganism is becoming more visible and could be becoming more accepted in sports and the health and fitness industry. Uh, but he was essentially pointing out that vegans are 
at risk of insufficiency for several things. Calories, protein, the adequacy of B12, iron, zinc, calcium, iodine, and vitamin D. Also, long-chain omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA, because they're just not in most plant sources. Uh, now, he does point out that you can carefully plan a vegan diet to be an, an athlete, and we've talked about this on the show before, uh, but he says it's also suggested that creatine and beta-alanine supplements might be considered for with vegan athletes owing to vegetarian diets promoting lower muscle creatine and lower muscle carnosine levels uh, in consumers. So, and he goes on to say more empirical research is needed, but I think that's probably good advice. You are missing some of those zoo chemicals that we were just talking about, I think last week or the week before, uh, and creatine and carnosine are at the top of the list. Uh, there are things in meats that are very helpful, in this case for muscle acid buffering. Okay, so that's sort of the, the whirlwind tour there of what happens in a high repetition set or when you, you're working to uh, up to a burning sensation. So having said that, um, let's get to our guest. Thanks, Ben, for being patient. Oh, absolutely. I guess the first is how, how, how you got into the fitness industry at all, you know, your own back that, and then how that tried segue to uh, creating products for it, maybe in general. Yeah, well, how I got in the fitness industry in general um, was just as uh, a young guy, you know, a teenager. Um, I lived a quarter mile away from my school and elementary school, so I would, with my backpack full of my homework and stuff, try to beat the bus. Actually, we were the first stop home, so that quarter mile, I would just try to run and sprint and and beat the bus uh, to my house, and so I, would, I was running every day all, all the time um, past this really small gym. Um, you know, you could probably fit it in most of living rooms. Um, and this guy saw me just kind of constantly running and one day stopped me, asked me, you know, how old I was. And at the time I was, uh, like 13, 14. And he said, if I, if I got my mom to sign the waiver and the papers that he would, uh, allow me to sweep up the gym and clean up circuit. He had only machines in it and do the circuit of machines. And he'd walk me through and show me. And so that's kind of how I got started with it was around 13, 14, just doing circuit, machines um for probably about a good year i had no no idea about free weights um but you know started buying the magazines and started looking at things and the gentleman who owned this small gym um he basically just said he doesn't have time to train me but you know look at the magazines the muscle fitness the flex you know the uh, and things like that and don't pay attention to how big those guys are because obviously they've been doing it for a long time and, and everything but pay attention to the exercises read you know he said you know read uh, pay attention to the tips and the techniques and the way their hands are and w what they say about the way their wrists are and you know when they're doing uh, different things like that. So it was like self-education from the very start for me. Um, and that's uh, kind of the way I got started after this gentleman started getting uh, free weights in, in the basement of this small building. Uh, I started free weight lifting and it was mostly benching and arms because I didn't know anything else. I didn't know much about legs or anything. And you know, fast forward five, six years uh, in in high school and everything, uh, getting out of high school. By then, you know, started going to other gyms that had, you know, more weights, knowledgeable stuff. Um, and I had done a ton of reading, bought books, bought the magazines. Have I still have boxes full of magazines probably from when I was in high school. 
um, and I'm 33 now, uh, that I just read. And that was the biggest thing for me was just to read. Uh, you know, it was probably one of the best things that that gentleman could have done was told me that he doesn't have the time to teach me, but to just read. Because, you know, if he would have been pointing out everything for me to do, I wouldn't have been able to read and understand that. And then I wouldn't have fallen also into the nutritional side of it to understand that, oh, you know, eating all the junk food and all that stuff that, you know, uh, I was doing out with my friends wasn't really going to be benefiting me in the gym. It was just going to be, you know, actually slowing me down. Uh, so basically throughout high school and everything, just read the magazines, weightlifted. I was an athlete in high school as well, played sports, um, you know, ran track, uh, soccer, basketball, baseball, everything like that. And then after, um, high school, it just kind of, you know, kind of stuck it. It, I really got that bug that, that iron bug, I guess you could say to where it was just, I, I needed to be in the gym. I needed to have a routine. It was part of kind of becoming who, who I was. Um, and so for like two or three years, it was just consistently going to the same gym. Uh, and eventually they asked me to become a personal trainer there. So I got like a local uh, certification, became a personal trainer for a few years, uh, training folks. I was, um, you know, just encouraged to see people meet their goals, lose weight. Um, I had, you know, a lot of uh, some clients that weren't strictly weightlifters, but like, you know, possibly I had a couple that were doctors and lawyers that they just wanted to get in better shape so they could represent themselves better and their companies and, and themselves. And that was just really cool seeing them set a goal and myself helping them get to that goal um, as young as I was, uh, being in my early 20s, 2021. Um, and then after that, uh, basically just kept lifting. Uh, eventually left that about 2006, 2007, after a few years, uh, when the bubble kind of burst, people quit kind of spending the extra money on trainers. And so clientele slowly dipped in the gym I was at and actually membership slowly dipped. So I ended up just kind of getting out of it, but I kept lifting myself. And that led me to uh, a gym out in Montgomery, Illinois, uh, called Jack Tardcore Gym. That's kind of my home powerlifting gym. I ended up going there back in 2007, 2008. And started lifting there. Uh, the owner, uh, his name is Byron Hicks. He asked me, you know, have I ever powerlifted before? Not really. Um, I pay some of the stuff I paid attention to is more Franco Colombo's um, exercises and the way he trained. I know he trained a lot like Arnold, but I started getting his books, uh, finding his books wherever I could. Uh, uh, Franco Colombo's book or Doctor Franco Colombo, and you know, really studying him because I'm I'm five five. He was five five, and I just felt like okay you know, maybe the exercises he did, you know, and the rep ranges benefited him more because of his body structure and him and I had similar body structures. So I started following that and reading his books. And so I started deadlifting a lot because Franco was really known for deadlifting. And Byron just asked, he says, Hey, you know, do you, you want to go and do a meet? And I was like, uh, what's that? You know, what's, what's powerlifting? What's that? And this is going back again, like eight, nine years ago. And um, I went and did my first uh, meet, which was a, uh, a UPA meet over in Iowa, and that was a deadlift-only meet. And I pulled well there, and, and it just kind of got me into it. it. Got me, yeah, got me the bug, and it was just like, oh, this is what this is. And I found out it, it's a, it's community. It's just a, a whole bunch of people coming together to encourage and push each other. And you know, everybody's on a focus. And I was actually just at the UPA meet this last weekend. Um, promoting the, the automatic wrap roller. And, you know, there, there was a couple of very, very new, fresh people. It was their first meet. And it was just awesome to see the community of powerlifting come around um, 
a couple of these athletes that had never been involved in powerlifting before, and they people that have been in for years just came around and said, "Oh yeah, we'll help you. We'll, we'll we'll help you with this and that." And you know, they would go on the platform and 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 do their first squat or first deadlift or bench, and then come back and get a little bit of coaching, and then go out there for their second attempts. And just that little bit of coaching would improve their lifts, and that's at a meet. Um, it's just awesome to see that, see that within powerlifting. So over the last eight years, I've competed probably five or six times, but um, most of it was just being involved. I just, you know, and, and the community that, that Byron and, and his wife, Tammy have, have at Jack Jim, it's just, it's just an awesome community of, of people coming together and helping each other. I mean, there's a lot of that constructive criticism, but it, it, it never comes across as offensive. And that's what you need, I believe, in powerlifting and in bodybuilding and in anything, any fitness. You know, if you have people telling you what you want to hear, it's not fully going to benefit you all the time. You know, if your depth's not down there on the squat, if you're, you know, you're not pausing long enough on your bench, well, then that's going to affect you on the platform. And, you know, same thing, you know, Byron's a coach and he, he coaches a lot of bodybuilders. If, you know, uh, he's not telling people the truth about their the way they're looking, you know, and that's an awesome thing that I've appreciated about Byron. And even with developing this product I came up with, um, you know, it, it, that that's basically me in the last 10 years. But for the product, the automatic wrap roller, uh, back actually in April is when it was a thought and an idea. And I was at a meet with Byron and the Power Corps is what we call the, the powerlifting team. Um, I was at a meet. I wasn't competing. I was just there to support the team. You know, anybody need anything and need knees wrapped, anything like that. And I was standing back with Byron and I looked over and there was people rolling their knee wraps, you know, stepping on them, stretching them out with their feet. And they were doing that standing right next to a hand crank roller. And I was just kind of like, I looked at Byron and I said, hey, why isn't this, why haven't we developed something for this yet? Why isn't this automatic? Why isn't this, you know, taking them to the next level yet. I mean, you know, and he just said, oh, no one's really done that yet. I said, okay. And, you know, I started looking some things up and there was a couple of guys that had taken some pretty big motors and, and pretty big uh, devices and made uh, knee, pre knee wrap rollers out of them. But it wasn't a product that could be sellable. It was too bulky. It was too big and too heavy. And so I kind of started dwelling on it for a couple of months. So, you know, April, March, by May, I had kind of a really good base idea of what I wanted this to look like, um, had scribbled, written, drawn stuff up. And I wouldn't say it became obsession, but it definitely became something where is I was driving down the road and was just thinking, I'm driving this vehicle that has all these bells and whistles, but as soon as I give the, the steering wheel a little tweak to the left or right, it goes that way. And it's like, if we can have all that into this there's got to be something out there that supports the torque that you need to tighten up your your knee wraps as tight as they will go it takes all the tension out of them and and will be able to benefit your lifts all right well so good stuff let's we're gonna quickly uh just do a little public service announcement we'll go to break uh and mm -hmm. then we're gonna come back and We'll delve into this a little bit, like hmm? how you did your drawings, you know, how you went moved toward commercializing the the whole thing. Um, just quickly, uh, we're in the middle of our fall funds drive, everyone. So <laughs> I want to first give thanks. I mean, it's appropriate weekend to do that. We've all been feasting, at least here in the U.S. So um, thank you to the following people: uh, Alan, Vicky, Holly, uh, Prasan, Ryan, and Merrick. You help us keep the lights on and we notice, right? We notice that. So for people out there who, if you don't have uh, a way to support 
uh, Iron Radio. Uh, financially, it's very helpful to leave an iTunes review or uh, retweet something on Twitter, that sort of thing. So there are ways to help the Iron Brotherhood, if you will. The, uh, Nicholas, one of our uh, mail-in questions, was talking about the Iron Brotherhood. So that's how you do it. If you $4 a month uh, for some people. Some people make a one-time donation at ironradio.org. Uh, and again, we don't usually talk about this year-round. There's a lot of public radio-esque podcasts out there, and they constantly beg for money. And we try not to do that because we're doing it during the fall. So even if you don't have the funds, like I said, iTunes reviews and, and whatnot, very, very helpful. So having said that, let's go to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about being an entrepreneur and moving an idea uh, toward a fitness product. Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what, uh, there is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, there's enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that, and uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit royalty on the book, but that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. I can't stop feeling some of us don't understand how lucky we are to be living in this land. Hi, listeners. This is Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm here to remind you that as the holiday season approaches and your thoughts turn to giving, we like you to keep Iron Rated in your thoughts. Over the past several years, there have been hundreds of listener comments hoping that Iron Radio stays on the air for years to come. Iron Radio is here for you. But as with any public radio-type format, the show is listener-supported. That's where you come in. For just $4 a month, you become a supporting member, keeping your weekly dose of education, experts, and gym talk flowing. Just go to www.ironradio.org and click on the $4 monthly subscribe button near the bottom of the page. Or... Click the Donate button at the right of the page for a one-time donation. You are the Iron Brotherhood and Sisterhood. Of course, not everyone can afford to be a supporting member or a significant one-time donor. But for those of you willing to pitch in $4 per month or $50 just once, we're about to sweeten the deal. Become a supporting member or major donor between now and January, and a limited number of you will receive a gift worth over $20. And we will never forget our existing supporters. Simply email me via ironradio.org and I'll send you a free seminar from Dr. Lowry on how to significantly and realistically boost your testosterone levels. 
Help your iron brothers and sisters who cannot pitch in but deserve better internet programming in our sports. And happy holidays. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, it's Phil and Lonnie and Mike, and we have uh, Ben Clark, uh, and we're going to talk about essentially being a fitness product entrepreneur. A, a lot of times our field is about service, right, the fitness industry where you're, you're working with clients and that sort of thing. It's also fun to talk about various products, I think. So uh, having said that, uh, Phil, I know you had some questions. Yeah, I mean, I think basically I'd, I'd like to hear about just how you finished off what you were delving into there. I mean, a lot of with products, it's either making simply something totally new or, you know, bettering something that's existing. And it, it, uh, you were kind of verging on both there with, with a couple people had made their own their own things for the gym and uh, things like yeah. that. They were too pesky. So I don't, just finish that process of, you know, how you – initially figured this thing out and then we can go into that's and bolt of that, that's a hard part in and of itself and then the the amazingly hard part is getting the thing to actually sell so yeah uh, so so yeah as, as you know like i said back in april is when it was an idea you know for me and, and I, I had i had mentioned that to byron at that meet you know why aren't we doing this automatically and it took me two months of just really thinking about it and then it it you know, kind of became, well, what goes into it now? You know, what is it about, uh, about the powerlifting industry, about, uh, the, the, the meats and about, um, knee wraps that this would have to cater to the masses and not just, you know, to a one that goes in our, in our home gym and it just sits there in the corner and it's just for us. And so some of the things I first started thinking about was mobility. Uh, and that was, okay, you know, well, what's the benefits of the, of the hand crank? you know, it's mobile, you can clamp it onto anything. So my first thing was, was what do I clamp this to? You know, so I actually uh, just started kind of sort of putting this stuff together, just random things, you know, either, either, uh, you know, getting someone to weld it for me or, or bolting it together. And then um, I actually gutted one of my home, my uh, uh, drills at home. And I used the trigger system on it to actually power it. And I took that first kind of mocked up kind of thing to to byron and, and to the gym and to a couple of, of the folks there just like hey you know the athletes hey guys what do you guys think and even it was so 
skeletal structure. It was so basic and so just not what it is now. They were thrilled. They, they thought it was awesome. I, mean, I remember Byron was having to hold on to it onto the, uh, uh, the squat rack because there's so much torque put on pulling on it that it was ripping it off of the uh, squat rack. So he had to actually go on the other side and hold on to it. But it started doing what the idea was to do, and that was to start rolling and taking all the tension out of the knee wrap. Ben, so if, if yeah. I can interject, um, yeah. I love the idea of prototypes. I've been going through a lot yeah. of that stuff myself. I'm not going to bore anybody, but... It is. You've got to make that awkward first step. I think about like the old science cartoons I watched as a kid, like with Mrs. Frizzle, you know, stumble forward, get messy, make mistakes. You got to mm-hmm. have that entrepreneurial <laughs> spirit and just bodge yeah. something together, right? So you can get that prototype. Yeah. You got to have something to refine from, right? So I, I yeah. thought that, that's really cool that you just had the, the, the balls to, you know, start <laughs> whipping stuff together. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, too, is you got to. You kind of got to sit back and, and, and really realize, okay, I'm going to make a ton of mistakes with this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have stuff that just falls apart, but you got to realize it's not the final product. It's not, it's not the final thing. What, what is it in your head that, I mean, either you're, you're kind of daydreaming about or what is that final thought that's in your head? And it's like, okay, you know, how do you get to that? And then you just start. I mean, that's, and that's the whole thing. That was the thing for me was, was, like I said, it took me two months of just thinking about it. And then it was finally like, I just have to start. It just has to start getting out here in physical form. And I think that's one of the things about entrepreneurs. So many times people will sit back and dwell and dwell and dwell and dwell on ideas, but they don't start putting them into motion, no matter how out there they seem. I mean, you know, powerlifting and knee wraps have been around for a, a long time now. And here I am and I'm sitting back going, well, we don't have this. I'm going to try to do it. And I've done it. And it was just taking that action and taking that step. And then it's also, you know, surrounding yourselves with the people that are going to encourage you and support you with that. If, if there's certain people you know that are not going to support your dream and your idea right off the bat, don't even mention it to them because that negativity is just going to creep into you. You know, only go to those that are going to encourage you. And like I said, give you that constructive criticism that you're not going to walk away feeling, you know, like a grain of sand. But you're going to walk away going, OK, I can I can work on that and I can do that. And that was the support I got from those guys from Jack Jim, uh, from Byron and from Tammy and from just the, the Power Corps team. And then from my family itself, too, is, is as it developed, you know, my wife alone, she was always like, you know, always thrilled when I would show her more new and developed stuff. And so going on from the, the one that was kind of sort of not mountable and everything like that, that's when I enlisted my brother, who was a welder and a blacksmith. And I went to him and I just his name's Bob. And I just went to Bob. I said, hey, man, this is what I'm trying to do. And this is this is the motor I've got for it. And this is what I'm looking at doing. You know, what's your thoughts? And he just he looked at it and, and we started welding and grinding and then and then tearing stuff apart and welding and grinding and eventually it got to um about a third generation the one that the product i have out is the fourth generation of the whole idea so you're talking about like how it molds itself and develops i mean like i said you got to be willing to you know scrap ideas and throw stuff aside and you got to be willing to take stuff what people say and even if your idea is like no i wanted it to be that way but somebody says hey do it this way you got to kind of humble yourself and say okay well let's try it that way also, instead of saying, no, this is my idea. This is what I want to do. You got to be able to say, no, you know what? Let's try that and see how well that actually works. That might work better than what's in my head right now. And a lot of that was with my brother. You know, he, he was just do this, do that. And so it came to, like I said, the step before this one. And it was um, clampable. It clamped nice, solid and tight. It had kind of like this breaker bar on it. So when you put torque on it, 
you could literally stretch your wraps out to where there's nothing left in them and and it, it'll roll it up it'll continue to roll it up and it was like okay there it is and then that's when i pursued the kind of legal side of it you want to say the i got a patent pending number on it so that you know now it was actually something that could be something um and that was back in june so basically from the beginning of may to about the end of june july june-ish um, about two months of just constantly daily working on it. And, and that's the other thing, too, is I guess if you want to say as an entrepreneur is it's a daily work. There is no weekends anymore. You don't have a Saturday and a Sunday. Um, you're trying to develop anything. You wake up and you, you go, OK, I got I got to do this on this and, and this project. I got to drive here and I got to talk to this person because, you know, they are more knowledgeable than me. And it's just constantly stretching yourself and realizing that, I guess you'd say to somebody that's got a nine to five and there's nothing wrong with a nine to five. But that when you have an idea, you can't really take a break from that idea. You can't really sit back and say, nah, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget about it for a few days and then I'll go back to it. It's like, no, it's fresh. And if you've got traction and you've got the momentum going in your favor, um, <laughs> you want to keep that momentum going. You want to keep pushing it because it's just, it's just as soon as that momentum slows down, you start dwelling on things. Oh, this didn't work. That didn't work. Oh, man. You know, and then the mishaps and, and that stuff can creep in and creep on you fast. And so as soon as you can turn that around with your idea, your passion, whatever it is that you're trying to do um, to get it back going back in the positive side of things, do it, you know. Uh, hey, Ben, and, and that's, if, yeah, ben yeah, if I can ask then, you mentioned uh, getting a patent pending. Uh, yeah. Was that expensive? Uh, how would you do that? And, you know, if it was kind of pricey, how do you keep the momentum going? So basically from the beginning of this, my I, I, I knew that it was going to be a journey of finances along with it. And so I took a look at our, our finances and I just said, okay, I'm going to allocate this amount of money. Now, my wife and I feel we've always been somewhat diligent with our finances and we had some savings. And so we allocated a certain amount of money for that. Now, going with the uh, patent pending, I wasn't sure because I had never pursued that and I didn't know anybody that. So all I did was just Googled patent attorneys or patent lawyers in my surrounding area and I found five and then I just uh you know kind of investigated each one just read their bios read who they were and what they're about and then even read the reviews on them and and I, I took this one gentleman because um he had the most reviews out of everybody and he had the most positive reviews out of everybody and I was like awesome so I just contacted him I mean it's just it's basically set up an appointment call him Ask him, so, you know, I have this idea and I have the physical form of it, at least the basic physical form of it. What do I do now? You know, how, how do I get this to where it protects me and, and, and protects my product? And from there, he just set up a meeting, you know, went and sat down with them, uh, presented it to him. And at that point, he basically just said, yeah, I think you have something here. And, he, you know, then it goes a patent pending in my area. I think it was somewhere between like. Oh, like eighteen hundred, a little over two grand is mm -hmm. what I spent on it. Mm -hmm. um, something like that. And so the, the thing I learned with the patent pending number is, is you can continue to develop your product while you have the patent pending number on it. So once you get the solid, solidified, you know, patent on it, you can't change your product. You, you know, it, it has to be okay. The next generation, two point and then you you know, you do something with that. So that's why, I mean, I learned a lot about the patent. And that's why, you know, for certain products, you might see a couple of patent pending numbers, you know, 
kind of strong on it. And that's just because, well, yeah, they're still kind of forming it. And so uh, I took, you know, that attorney's advice and he said, just go with the patent pending number because you're still in development parts of it. And so as soon as I got the patent pending number, uh, and this was the nervous part, this was the the part where it was like, okay, you know, because I had to send him um, uh, measurements and a little bit of drawings and have, has, have his team draw it up and uh, what it does, descriptions, be very descriptive, and it, even in some stuff, be very kind of loose descriptive because, you know, um, it covers a, a wide range. Like, so my product, you can plug it into the wall and you can also attach a battery to it so it's mobile just like a hand cranked at a me and that was part of it and so i made sure that that was in there so that mm-hmm. i wasn't locked into just plugging it into the wall outlet and i didn't make it where it's just running off of batteries i made sure that in that it was specific and specified that it does dual both purposes so that is with me now you know both uh dual um ways to power it yeah um, it's good advice to keep it broad <clears throat> That's the same yes. thing that the, the patent lawyer I'm working with, same thing. Is okay. Keep it, it – it sounds ironic, but specific but broad. Like, you know, it's, you, it can't be so broad that it's useless, but it's got to be broad enough mm-hmm. that you could take it in slightly different directions. And anything that comes along with this, with this idea belongs yep. to you, right? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. Like you said, it has to be specific but broad. And, yeah, that, that took a few, a few times of me – rolling over things, typing things up, emails back and forth. And then he'd finally say, okay, yeah, yeah, we got it with this. It was just like, you know, holy cow, man, you know, I thought I had it on the first one, but then it was like, no, we got to say it this way. And so, you know, it's definitely a time thing. And, you know, this is the thing I was encouraged for people. If they have an idea and they're, they're working on it is learn that if it hasn't been out for like five or 10 years and you're the first one that's kind of coming up with it, most likely there, there might not be anybody else really doing it. So you don't have to rush it. You don't have to hurry it up out there um, unless, you know, and this is where I had to be protective is I had to really sit back and say, okay, who do I let know I'm working on this before I even have the patent pending so that protect myself from somebody running off that might have more uh, outlets than I do, more accessible um, means than I do, or even more money than I do. So, he, you know, that individual could leverage more things than I could and, and could basically steal the idea. And it was just like, you know, I kept it to a tight-knit group of friends and, and folks at the gym. And, and that's one thing I can't say enough about the Power Corps team was just their trust. Like, I went to them and just said, hey, could you guys not take pictures of this? Could you guys you know, not put anything on uh, social media? And they, they held to that, which was awesome because everything in the social media world is about you know this happened, that happened, this celebrity, that. And, and you can just whip out your phone and take pictures. So for months... Um, prior to me releasing it to the public, you know, these guys were kind of the athletes I was testing it on and they never took a picture. They never did anything. And so I'm very appreciative of that. And, and, and that's what I said is keep that group of people around you that you trust and you know, that aren't going to run off with it. And also with that is then, you know, once you do get the patent pending number, uh, you know, I made sure that I, I, I communicated very well with the, uh, uh, patent attorney lawyer that, I'm good now. Now I can rep- I can I can bring this to a meet. I can you know um, I, I clarified it very clearly that I can now make it kind of public. I can let people know, hey, I have this. And yeah, he was like, like you yes, a hundred percent. Like talk about it on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like talk talk about a podcast or you know like like where I, where I met um, uh, Phil at was out in you know California at the you know record breakers meet, being able to to travel with it and get it out there. And so you know after that point, yeah, it was just. I, I took it and I still had it in a single form. 
I took it. I, I started branching out to, um, you know, weld shops, machinist shops, um, you know, a plastic forming company to be able to make the cover for it. And then even like a decal to get the, the, the decal on it. And, you know, all those things are, again, those step, those next step things, you know, those next things that kind of go up. And, you know, the thing I've liked about it is so far it's um, it's been within my community and I like being able to use those businesses that are in my community because then it supports them and then it it gives them something else to a product that they can, you know, roll with and and develop and help me develop. And so it's it's really one of those things that, you know, you really don't hear of made in America that often. And this is one thing that's purely made within the community of, you know, the northern Illinois area, you know, that. And I want to keep it that way. I don't really want to try to branch out like outside of the U.S. because my community of powerlifters and things like that. And so to make it to make it any other way, I'd, I'd want to keep use, using the folks I'm using because they've been with me the entire time. They've they've uh, helped me develop this this far, you know, and everything. And and they've walked through this. So it's it's almost like part of it is part of them and part of their business now. And, and I'm very encouraged by that because all of them have worked very diligently with me. And again, you know, it's just constructive criticism and it's just hey well i don't think this is going to work that way can i try this and it's like yeah go ahead try it you know and you come in and and i didn't know anything about that and then all of a sudden they're just like yeah this works this way much better and you're like holy cow you know wow and so it's definitely working with those in within your community because i think they're wanting to support you so they end up trying to help you develop it to make it even better you know i've heard that um i've heard that described as lean startup right oh, it's almost like focus yeah. groups like you have whether it's a taste test or a practice session with it or you, you put it in people's hands and then you mm -hmm. get feedback. I, I, what you said was very valuable. You get so passionate about something, you have to realize somebody else, it may not be working out the way you thought it would exactly. It doesn't matter because you're still in the driver's seat. You know, you've got the patent mm -hmm. pending. But getting having that lean startup where you follow the leads, right? You follow the mm -hmm. feedback that works and what's popular or what's working. I think you got to set aside your sort of your um, preconceptions and ego and follow, mm -hmm. follow what's going to make it better. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You, you've definitely got to be able to, to, to set aside uh, what you want. I mean, like I said, I mean, it, you can have it in your head, in your mind and you bring it to somebody that is, you know, full-time into welding or full-time into machining and you go this is how i want it and they can go well in the realms of it machining or welding or this and that that doesn't work you know that angle doesn't work this taper eh, that just doesn't really happen when when it's in a machine and it's like oh okay and then you have to kind of take their expertise because that's what they're an expert in and trust that they're not trying to sway you uh poorly but that you develop a relationship with them that is like, okay, wow, yeah, I can, you know, these guys are definitely trying to steer me down the right way. And, and then, like, yeah, it, it, it becomes a, uh, they, and the other thing too is, is, you know, if it's something you're developing out of passion and out of a, 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 an idea and it's something you dreamt up, people can see that. People will just know it and like see you and like, was it my dream and passion that like ever since a kid to be like, oh, I'm going to make this, you know, Rap roller, not at all. You know, it was my passion to be involved in fitness, to be involved in, in, in seeing people meet their goals and, and change their lives. And, I mean, that's what powerlifting is. That's what, you know, even, you know, CrossFit is. That's what bodybuilding is, is setting a goal and a mark that you're not sure you can make and obtaining that mark and going beyond that mark. And it's just like, whoa, how did I get there? And then it's just all those around you that are encouraging you and helping you. So 
when this idea came, it was just like, yeah, you know what? I, I got the right community around me. I can try for this. And then it was just go for it. And basically, um, you know, follow that passion. And then, and then when, so basically up to speed is I, I, I got all the different areas that I needed to develop this and, and uh, to, to make it a product and then to be able to set it up on the bench and go down a line and, and build it and then box it and send it. And it was like, oh, wow, you know, and it, it started with that idea and it started acting on that idea. And I think that's where a lot of people fall short. They, they say they want to be, you know, do something and it's, they just, they don't act. They don't start acting on it. And it's just like, it's scary. It's nerve wracking because there was a lot of sacrifice with it. My, um, I actually quit my full-time job. I've been the, the sole breadwinner for my family. Uh, my wife, uh, who's amazing. She, uh, is in school full time. She has two semesters or a semester and a half left. She said she would go back to work full time so that I could pursue this because she saw the passion and she saw it developing and she just said, go for it. And it was like, okay. <laughs> and so I was able to do that. And, and that was a huge leap. And that's, it's a scary thing. But again, you know, getting under a bar of 500 pounds, 600, 800, 700, whatever that is, that mark is or benching, you know, you're going to have that bar, you could have that bar come down on you. It's scary to obtain goals that you've never reached for. But if you can powerlift and get yourself ready for a powerlifting meet, you can take your idea and or bodybuilding CrossFit, anything you're doing that's goal oriented and you're meeting those goals in the gym um, and or in other aspects of your life, you can take an idea and invent it and make it. It's just goal oriented. It's, it's waking up every day saying, this is what I'm going to do. The part that I can't stress enough is the patent part. Because yeah. I've worked with a lot of people the last five years, and you see a lot of people, they throw all this passion in there, and they skip that part. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, it is, it is usually not months before you see a copy. It is like weeks. <laughs> the people get the step. You know, you've talked about all these prototypes and all these steps it took to get, even the one to get patent pending in place. Once you make that product and you let the people see it, I mean, it's bad, but I mean, someone takes that, they take it apart, they're able to skip all your initial steps. Mm -hmm. They've got something copied in, in no time. So, if yeah. you have like this, I mean, I just like I push all the people I work with. It's like, okay, that's a good idea. If it's a good idea, it's like, okay, get something drawn up and take this yep. to a lawyer now while we're working on prototypes. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and that was, the, I never knew that. I mean, I've, I've never been involved in that, but like, you know, um, you know, and actually, uh, I actually think it was Byron who actually initially said, you're coming up with this idea, you know, make sure you get a patent on it. And, you know, it was just like, yeah, that's, that's a good thing. It's a good idea. And, and he really was, you know, obviously, like I say, he's not just, you know, a powerlifting coach, bodybuilding coach. I mean, he's, he really is encouraged and basically been you know behind me giving me those extra pushes that i've needed to get over those humps those times of frustration that and then yeah he said that you know make sure you get the patent on it and it was just like at that time i was like oh okay and then as i looked into it, it was like yeah that's a good idea <laughs> you know with that uh but you know up to this point now you know I've, I, I've i've been traveling a lot trying to get the product out there and that's the you know kind of the next thing with it you know the developing and the getting the resources and getting all those things lined up to where then it can be assembled you know those are all part of the developing but now it's getting it out there and and that is kind of what led me out to california um essentially to the record breakers meet um to meet phil and to introduce it to the powerlifting community um that's kind of a story in itself a little bit and that's 
basically, I've had my YouTube channel up for that like like mini commercial, whatever you want to call it, for about a month now, and I've had the Instagram up for about the same amount of time, uh, and the and the website, the automatic rap, uh, automaticraproller dot com has been up at the same time for about a month now, and I got a hold of Jesse Burdick on uh, he's the host and the promoter of the Records Breaker Me. On Instagram, and I said, "Just hey, check out my invention for you know the knee wraps." And um, he said, "Yeah, just message me." So I messaged him, and he said, "Awesome." So I sent him one. Well, in the process, uh, it got damaged in in the pro in, in, in the shipping, um, and it, it still worked. He said, "Oh, it still works. It still functions. It's still good. I could just like kind of tape it up, and and you know the cover of it's a little banged up." And I just said, no, you know, I said, uh, no, I, I got to come out there because that's not how I want uh, my product represented. And this would be the second meet that it would be introduced at. The first meet was um, over the summer at Byron's gym. It was a UPA meet that uh, I, I had two mounted there and, and, and Byron allowed me to introduce it to the powerlifting community there. And so this would be the second meet that it's at. And it's like, no, you know, I don't want it cracked. I don't want, you know, and shipping problems happen. Um and so, you know, I flew out there the Thursday before the records breaker meet. I was in his gym fixing the one because uh, and the meet was on Saturday. And, and it was just like, no, this is this is my name. This is my product. This is something I passionately built. And I don't want it represented any other way besides the proper way. You know, Jesse allowed me to stay for over the weekend. And it was a, a very, very good turnout, a very positive feedback about, wow, you know, what is this? And, and that was just a cool thing was seeing people get excited about what I've been working on since April, basically. <clears throat> There's going to be a lot of smaller forums now. There's nothing. Worse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The only yes. direct mark I ever got was rolling wraps and it's horrible. Uh, yes. Ever a powerlifting coach and you're handling more than one lifter? Oh my God. It's by the end of the day, your your arms are just dead. So, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I uh, I I so the, the the two weekends ago was the records breakers meet, and then last weekend I was out in Iowa, and I live uh, I live in a out uh, northern Illinois, so I, I I drove out to Iowa for a UPA meet out there, and uh, I was out there for the weekend promoting it, and that was the thing is is uh, I shared on my Instagram there was a picture of of a coach of a guy he had two wraps over his shoulders and then he was rolling another set of wraps. So he was helping multiple athletes and, and I mean, he was constantly coming back and, and I asked him, it's just kind of, what do you think? What, you know? And he was just like, man, this is saving me a lot. And, and it, and it's just, that's the awesome thing is, and that's what it's made for. It's being an athlete myself, being a, a part of myself. I never even had the hand cranked one. I always did it where you stepped on it, you pulled it up nice and tight and then you rolled it down and it was inconsistent all the time. Each knee felt different all the time. You know, there was never consistency in the rep. Now it's 100% consistency. Either somebody's ma or, or girlfriend who doesn't even power lift who came over to start helping roll, you know, the athlete's wraps. And, you know, and she even told me, she says, I've never done this before. I was, I've never been able to do this. And, and that just right there was like awesome. I'm glad everybody can use it. It's, it's simple and easy enough to where, like you said, your forearms aren't now getting blitzed where you know you're you're walking around like Popeye after a meet and you're lifting the next day <laughs> you've helped your athletes out now it's your turn the next day and you wake up and your fingertips are now raw and you're like okay great well my third attempt deadlift is supposed to be a PR for me how am I going to get there 
it's definitely changing, I believe. And, and it's also changing how your reps affect your lifts. The athletes have told me they've been able to get two more revela- revolutions like, or revelations out of their wraps. They're stretched so well um, yeah. that they can get two more you know, extra lengths out of it. Well, now that changes how you can wrap your knees almost. You know, that changes the pressure on your knee. That changes um, um, your PR even. Sure. Um, no, thanks for doing this. Where, where can people find it again? Go ahead and shoot those websites out there. Instagram, um, at the website is uh, automaticwraproller.com. Uh, my Instagram is the same thing, automaticwraproller, and it's all one. It's just automatic wrap, W-R-A-P, roller, R-O-L-L-E-R. Um, you can find me on Instagram and then even you know the website. Um, just check it out. Shoot me messages. I'm going to try to go to one more meet this year. Um and uh and promote it more out there but um you know if, if you have a chance if it's in a gym near you i've got a handful of them out there right now so um they're kind of spread throughout the u.s a little bit uh but definitely check it out and get a hold of me yeah thanks man yeah you're welcome no problem okay everyone we'll uh catch up with you next week there's some holiday listening for you there you go see you guys yep yep thank you for the opportunity guys i really do appreciate it Hey listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store. One for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry. And they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store. Uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, The stuff you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, 
athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.